The legend in South America, a legendary proportion. I tried to apologize. I can't help myself sometimes. There's going to be a rape. You know why? You want to know why? All right, you and I will hook up a little bit later on. We're unified as a unit. What do you call them? Chives. You better put your jack on. You don't want an open hand slap this. Do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. Money makes the monkey dance. Look at the adjective. Play. Nitro. Let a drag take down. How about that? That was a lady drag take down. This ain't the end. I don't know how this thing got this far out of whack here. It wasn't until I get their clothes off. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. Nothing but disgust, disdain, and sarcasm. Hello, Nitromaniacs. Welcome to another long, drawn-out, backstage assault-type episode of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam. I'm your host, and this is the show where we'll spend half the show where you can't see us, and then one of the hosts will disappear in the middle and never come back. This is the 47th episode of Nitromania, meaning there is now one episode for each percent of the U.S. population that doesn't pay income tax, according to Mitt Romney, one episode for each degree of latitude between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, one episode for each Ronin, and one episode for each Japanese prefecture. Hello, Pomona College. Last week on the show, we spent an interminable amount of time backstage dealing with the aftermath of an NWO attack. A concussed and likely brain-damaged Rey Mysterio kept insisting that there were four attackers and everyone just ran with it, and they basically told us that the second half of the show was hastily thrown together, so don't expect much. This week on the show? Lord knows, but hopefully, hopefully, Bobby Heenan will be back. Folks, it is Monday, August 5th, 1996, and we are once more live from the Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, Florida. I hope, given that the pay-per-view is this weekend, that this is the last time this occurs, because I really need a change of scenery. Tony screams and screams, because that's how Tony do. Tony says, we are one week away removed, quote-unquote, from the attack by the NWO. So close, Tony. Larry says they aren't real men because they attacked backstage and not in the ring. He then makes a very awkward out-of-the-frying-pan-and-into-the-fire metaphor. Tony reminds us that there were four empty chairs at ringside last week and that they spent far too much time backstage. He says it's obvious that WCW security is not enough, so tonight the wrestlers will handle their own security. At this point, some WCW superstars come out and surround the ring to act as security for the rest of the roster. There are still four empty chairs at ringside, and it's time for your opening contest. This is a tag title match between the Rock and Roll Express and Harlem Heat? Yes, it turns out Harlem Heat are still the champs. I honestly couldn't remember for a second there. Harlem Heat are accompanied by Sister Sherry and Colonel Parker. Booker starts off with Morton and takes him down with a huge shoulder block, then a second. Gibson tags in, they hit a double back elbow, and then double clothesline Booker over the top and to the floor, meaning Harlem Heat retain the WCW tag team titles by disqualification. Of course not. We go to break instead. Back and Gibson is working the leg of Stevie Ray. He tags out and Stevie fights back against Morton. He tags in Booker and Booker continues the assault. Stevie Ray back in. He gets a two count off a gorilla press slam. Harlem Heat eventually get distracted by Sherry and Parker at ringside. Morton gets a schoolboy on Stevie for two. Booker comes in, misses an elbow drop on Morton, but Spinneroonies up and hits the wheel kick. He then misses the knee drop from the second rope. 
Morton makes a lukewarm tag, and Gibson comes in a house of fire. Double drop kick by the Express, and Sherry tries to break up the pin. Gibson shoves her off the apron, so Parker gets mad. Gibson knocks Parker off the apron, and this distraction allows Booker to pin Gibson to retain the titles. I don't know what's going on with this story with Harlem Heat and Sherry and Colonel Parker, but it feels overbooked as hell. Gene pull up your socks and get ready is with the nasty boys later tonight they'll face luger and sting in a match that gene says is very important for reasons that are unclear sting and luger wow appear and sting challenges their loyalty to wcw the nasty boys loyalty that is not their own loyalty this is pointless knobs says they don't condone what hulk hogan did but they don't say there's anything wrong with it either that's the same thing I think to break glacier does karate. It is now August and I have been lied to Tony promises some of the greatest matches ever on Saturday. I'm suspicious. He reminds us that the battle of the bikes is on Saturday where Medusa will be taking on bull Nakano Medusa's Harley versus Nakano's quote, Japanese made machine unquote. Hmm. Wonder how that match will go in front of thousands of Harley ralliers. Tonight, Medusa takes on Malia Hosaka again. Malia actually gets an entrance this time, so we know who she is. Nameplate and everything. She's accompanied by Sonny Ono. Medusa only owns one set of wrestling gear, apparently. Tony says Medusa is on a winning streak, which isn't easy to do when your division consists of three people. Hosaka works the legs of Medusa, trying to soften her up for Nakano, as Tony put it. We see that a limousine has arrived at Disney MGM. Tony knows that this means trouble. Tony says he'll keep us abreast of the situation, and speaking of breasts, Medusa's tits look fucking ridiculous in that top. We're talking, like, dead or alive extreme beach volleyball levels of ridiculousness. In all the hubbub about the limo, Hosaka manages to pin Medusa for the three count. So much for that winning streak. This Saturday, John Tenta versus Big Bubba, because that needed to fucking continue happening, Arn Anderson versus Hugh Morris, and an interview with Ric Flair live from Sturgis. We go back to three weeks ago for Dean Malenko costing Chris Benoit his match against Eddie Guerrero. On Saturday night, Dean said that he and Jimmy Hart have a business arrangement. Jimmy promised Dean that if he takes care of Benoit on Saturday, that he will get a shot at the Cruiserweight title. How Jimmy Hart has the power to make that happen, who knows. Tonight, Benoit is taking on Alex Wright. That title match happens on Saturday morning before the pay-per-view even takes place, which really makes me question Jimmy Hart's skills as a negotiator. You do this thing for me, and I'll give you $1,000. And to show you that I can give you $1,000 if you do this thing, here's the $1,000 right now. Bad business. Just bad. Alex starts on the offensive in this unsurprisingly fast-paced match. They make sure we're aware that the limo is still just sitting there with its hazards going. Jimmy Hart eventually appears trying to woo woman away from the horseman because of Kevin Sullivan. Malenko appears as Wright hits a huge single-foot stomp from the top. Benoit dives onto Malenko and gets counted out. Satisfying. Up next, Lord Stephen Regal with Jeeves takes on Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho enters in black and silver gear, which isn't suspicious at all. The crowd is firmly behind Macho as they lock up. 
back into the corner, and Regal wants the break, which Macho provides. Another lockup, and Regal goes after the arm. A judo hip throw, and they stand off again. Arm ringer for Regal this time. He maneuvers out of it and into a drop toehold. Regal continues to work the arm. Macho takes advantage of a moment of inattention by Regal and just starts beating on him. Enter the dynamite as Macho continues the beating. Tony says he's getting some mixed signals and then flat out tells us with 15 seconds left to go that Eric and Bobby are nowhere to be found. Great. The needless pyro goes off anyway, and Tony sticks with it. Tony reminds us of Bobby's walkout last week. He has not come back as of yet, and that Eric left in the middle of hour two last week, and he's not here either. Sting and Luger appear and sit in two of the four empty seats at ringside. They are both manspreading like assholes. Macho then drags Regal over and throws him into the seats Luger and Sting were just occupying. Tony says it's scary that no one knows where Bischoff is because he was supposed to be here and he's supposed to be doing that motorcycle ride from the Mall of America to the rally. Macho wins with the elbow drop and Luger and Sting head for the limo. Sting tears open the door and there is only a bouquet with a banner that says condolences on the death of WCW. Gene is in the ring with Savage as Luger and Sting come back. Gene tells us that Savage has the first shot at the WCW title after Hog Wild, no matter who wins on Saturday. Gene also tells us that he's been barred from Hog Wild, so that's apparently the deal he made. Don't show up on Saturday and you'll get a world title match. Weird. They then start talking about the bouquet. Then Savage kicks the bouquet while Sting holds it like a football. We are all 10 years old. Back to break. Back from break to Tony and Larry. Tony reminds us that the Hour 2 team is AWOL. Larry suggests foul play. We then go back to last Saturday night for Flair versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. Enter Eddie Guerrero, who is fighting for the U.S. title on Saturday. The cheap shot and Eddie's promo. A screenshot from this promo is the thumbnail for this episode of Nitro on the network. A promo that didn't even happen on this episode of Nitro. Enter the booty man and Kimberly, the booty babe. He is taking on Ric Flair. Arn Anderson makes his way to the ring with a plastic folding chair to watch Flair's back against the outsiders, apparently. Mongo and Benoit appear to hang out near the palm tree in the entranceway. Flair shoves his thumbs in Booty's eyes and chops him in the corner, and Booty sells nothing. Bobby Heenan then appears after we were told he wasn't here. He's confused and upset. Eventually, the horsemen just storm the ring to attack the booty man while Flair has him in the figure four. Booty wins by disqualification, but gets his leg destroyed. Tony calls it a message to Hogan. Gene is in the ring. Anderson talks about intense pain and the meaning of life while Flair continues to beat the shit out of booty man behind him. Benoit yells, Mongo yells, and then Flair yells while continuing to beat up the booty man. It's great. Fuck that guy. Gene asks Flair if he's finished. Flair says yes, Gene starts to throw it to break, and Flair starts yelling again. Back from break, and Tony calls last week one of the scariest nights in his career. He sends us back to last week for replay. Far, far too much replay. Back to ringside to talk about Arn's promo some more. During the break, we get a second NWO announcement. It stops in the middle, and we cut to commentary. We hear the comm feed. The director tells us that Luger and Sting are in the booth. They demanded that the announcement be stopped. We cut to the booth, and it's very confusing. Luger is standing next to a dude who is apparently on the phone with Atlanta. Sting is standing next to the director, Craig Leathers, chiding him for running the announcement in the first place. Leathers says they paid for it to air, so it airs. And Sting accuses him of being in the NWO. I don't think Sting knows how commercials work. 
The dude on the phone counts them down to Master as Sting and Luger leave because, and I quote, well, I'll let Sting tell you. There's free pot pie and Mountain Dew in our trailer. Let's go. Oh, really? Yeah, that sounds great. Free pot pie and Mountain Dew. Back from break, and another Craig, Sergeant Craig, comes to the ring with Teddy Long. He is, I swear to God, facing the giant for the World Heavyweight Championship. Why in the hell is Craig Pittman getting a title shot? We go to break while I ponder that and other deep questions of the universe. We come back, the bell rings, and Pittman lasts longer than he should have against the Giant in that the match didn't end immediately. After far too long, a chokeslam ends Craig's title hopes. I don't understand how this is supposed to make us believe that the Giant is going to beat Hogan on Saturday. Sergeant Craig this week, Greg the Hammer Valentine last week, Anyway, Giant threatens to chokeslam Pittman again, but grabs Teddy Long instead. Larry very presciently yells, he's going to give him a heart attack, as Giant lifts Teddy up and slams him down. Gene is in the ring with the champion and Jimmy. Gene is disgusted that Giant chokeslammed Teddy Long. Jimmy yells at Hogan, and then the limo returns. Jimmy is terrified. Giant, nonplussed. He threatens to disembowel Hogan if he shows up on Saturday. Gene then sends us to break. Oh, Christ. There's still the tag match between the Nasty Boys and Lex and Stang. Fuck. <sighs> Glacier does more karate, and we're back at Disney. We get a recap from Saturday night a couple weeks ago, apparently, on what led to this match. They were apparently fighting over the briefcase of Macho's money, or the fact that Deborah stole the briefcase during that match. I don't fucking know. Either way, Savage isn't in the match, so why are they fighting over his money? Uh, Sting is wearing his WCW race car trunks. Luger is in his typical black and white. Suspicious. Enter the Steiners as the match begins. Sting plays face in peril for a while as the Nasties frequently tag and mostly dominate. He finally gets the hot tag and Luger explodes. He tries to put Sags in the rack, but Nobbs attacks. Sags and Luger end up outside. Sags tries to clothesline Luger, but Luger ducks and Sags takes four more steps and clotheslines Rick Steiner instead. Rick then KOs Sags. He gets tossed into the ring and Sting locks on the Scorpion for the victory. <sighs> Back from break with Gene in the ring. The limo is still there. There are two small children in the ring who flex to the cheers of the crowd. We get no context for this whatsoever. Gene asks them about Sturgis. Uh, Sting and Luger, that is, not the children. Sting decides to storm the limo again. Luger's convinced that it's another gag gift. Sting thinks they might be in there, so they go down and Gene follows. Sting opens the door. A small Turner-branded valise gets thrown at him. The door slams shut, and the limo drives off as we go off the air. But who threw the bag? From there, however, we get an after-the-show exclusive on the WWE Network, as the on-screen graphic tells us, of Sting and Luger inspecting the bag. Sting opens the bag, and it contains a note. No one actually reads the note out loud, so I have to actually pause the video and type it out. The page has the NWO logo at the top and says, in large courier new font, Ray was right, there are four guys, dot, 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 or are there five? See ya in Sturgis. 
unquote. Of note, every word is capitalized, and that's really annoying. The bag is otherwise empty. Lex then makes a joke about it being a Turner bag by saying they don't even have their own logo yet. Dude, the NWO logo was at the top of the note. Put some effort into it. I'm pretty sure Lex can't read, actually, now that I think about it. Nothing else of note happens in this after-the-show exclusive. Sting says something about not buying into that Manson stuff, and then they confirm which direction the locker room is, and that's it. This episode of Nitro was certainly better than last week's, although that doesn't take much. Uh, We get a little more mystery this week with the disappearance of Eric Bischoff and the brief reappearance of Bobby Heenan. I was expecting the wrestlers acting as their own security bit to actually go somewhere tonight to play a little bit more into the show. But no, the Faces of Fear spent the entire episode at ringside. Meng was even wearing a Monday Nitro Crew t-shirt, but nothing happened. The only thing was SAG's accidentally clotheslining Rick Steiner at the very end, and Rick Steiner was only out there for that tag match. So uh, There were a couple of good matches sprinkled amongst the very average matches. I don't think anything this week was downright terrible, although the Giant versus Craig match lasted about two and a half minutes longer than it should have. Uh, if you go back and watch anything, I would say start with Benoit versus Wright, or as the WWE Network lists it, Alex Wright in singles action. And then if you have time, uh, check out Savage versus Regal. Regal, as we have said many times on this program, could wrestle a broom and put it over. Over on Cage Match, this episode has a 5.58 out of 10 and pulled in a 3 TV rating, both down slightly from last week. Uh, Before we move on from Nitro, however, there is some business to attend to. As you may have guessed, this episode was the last appearance of the Booty Man gimmick on Nitro or Pay-Per-View. As prolific as Ed Leslie has been in the wrestling business, I think it's quite easy to see why this particular gimmick ended up on WrestleCrap. And as such, I think it's an obvious outcome. The only thing of note that Booty Man did was create a stipulation where Hulk Hogan would be able to beat up a manager, and then he didn't even fight in that match. Uh, and he cost DDP his wrestling career for all of about three weeks. So for that, Booty, you're going out with the trash. Do you agree with my ruling? Do you disagree with my ruling? Let me know on Twitter at NitromaniaPod. Now, Over on the USA Network, we are two weeks old from Seattle, Washington for episode 171 of Monday Night Raw. Jerry Lawler starts us off by making fun of Jake Roberts' alcoholism. He then defeats Aldo Montoya by pinfall. The Body Donnas defeat the new and improved Midnight Rockers by disqualification when the Smoking Guns attack the Body Donnas. Kevin Kelly talks to Shawn Michaels, and in your main event, the Raw Invitational Battle Royal, to name a number one contender for the WWF Championship for the Raw after SummerSlam, was won by Ahmed Johnson after one hell of a save following a botched elimination of Goldust. Go back and check that out. That's actually kind of entertaining. Uh, Vince talks to Ahmed about his chances the night after SummerSlam. That is until Farouk Assad appears and they just brawl to close out the show. 4.82 out of 10 on Cage Match and a 2.8 rating up from last week's 2.1. Elsewhere, on August 5th, 1996, rocker Rick Derringer turned 49. You may remember Rick from such hits as Here Comes the Axe. Here comes the smasher, the demolition, walking disaster. And 
Of course. If you want to talk to me, you can do so on Twitter, like I said earlier, at NitromaniaPod or at NitromaniaPod at gmail.com. N-I-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-P-O-D. NitromaniaPod. Uh, I want to thank the dudes over at the Ring General Radio Show for uh, having me as part of their uh, Battle Bowl this year, their trivia tournament that they do. I want to ta- thank uh, Jake Stubby over there for uh, for having me on the show uh if you listened to that episode from july 4th you would hear that i was victorious in the opening round uh a very close uh fought battle between myself and uh and mr schultz over there uh mr cruz i apologize schultz what the hell am i thinking of anyways uh me and ryan cruz uh very i enjoyed the hell out of doing that and uh and i look forward to round two where i don't get to pick the topic so i'll probably lose uh, check out all the shows here on the Rundown feed, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick Season 2, NXT Revisited, and maybe, just maybe, the Rundown Sit-Down. Check the archives, folks. It is a thing. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a monetary donation to keep us running. You can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling or become a monthly donor on Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Check out the two donation levels there. Pick the one that works best for you. $5 a month, $10 a month. Pick one. It'll be great. Speaking of podcasts, head on over to questandnetwork.com and check out all the shows on the Questionable Endeavor Network personally. You might enjoy this one. Oh, Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend, Menchi? And I guess I'm here, too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese. A podcast for three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink, too? Not a little bit. I do. <laughs> All right, folks. The time has come. After weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and months, and I'm sorry, again, but the time has come to tell you who my guest will be next time here on the show. This is a big one, folks, in more ways than one. This guy was suggested by one of our listeners, namely Jason, uh, because he is known as a big Hulk Hogan fan, and what better time to get a Hulk Hogan fan on the show than Hogan's first pay-per-view after turning heel and joining the Outsiders. So, without further ado, my guest for the Hogwild episode next time here on Nitromania. I am so excited for this. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe that I'm that I, that I, I can't be, I'm flabbergasted by the fact that this is even happening. Ring of Honor superstar, the Kingpin Brian Malonis will join me here on Nitromania to cover Hogwild and the Nitro two days later. I cannot wait. I've certainly kept him waiting long enough and i apologize that for that again uh considering that i asked him back on june 5th if he'd be on the show <sighs> whoops um so yes next time uh next time for hog wild it will be brian malonis and i am uh, extremely extremely excited for that anyway uh that is it for august 5th 1996 thank you all for listening brian and i will talk to you next time right here on nitromania